Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good morning. What a fun day. Are y'all excited? Oh, man, I love worshiping. I love worshiping with you. Oh, I love celebrating. Man, it just feels like a day that's worthy of so much celebration. I just revel and take so much joy that we can come together and we can praise him together. You know, this is like the day for us Christians. This is the day of the year. What an honor that we get to come and we get to celebrate the resurrection. You know, this is the day we pull our hats out of the closets, dust them off. We ask our kids to shower. We, we like, we just break it, we break out the best for him. We break out the best for our king. We bring our full hearts to celebrate and worship. So I have been meditating on the resurrection story for the past couple of weeks, and it is just a story worth slowing down in. And, you know, it's so easy to just kind of glaze over it really fast and and be done. It's just a chapter or a chapter or two in, in all the different gospels. But today I want to just kind of steady in there for a minute and linger in the resurrection. Uh, so to do that, you know, I, in college, we, uh, it was a really cool experience. Our Georgia Tech volleyball team got introduced to our campus ministry and people on that team started just turning their lives over to Jesus. And it was the most beautiful thing. And my uncle was our campus minister, and he was telling the girls, like, okay, start reading the Gospels. And so one of the girls, she's never been to church before. She's in her 20s. She comes into his office irate. She's like, Rick, this is the worst story ever. What did you tell me to read this for? I fell in love with Jesus. <sighs> and she, he's like, well, have you finished? And she's like, no, I stopped when he got killed on the cross. Like, this 20-year-old girl did not know the end of the story. What a beautiful story and a beautiful ability to read it for the first time. I mean, I love that I've known the story for my entire life. But what a treat to be so engrossed in the story that you're like, what happened to my Jesus? And not know that three days later, he's resurrected. He's <sighs> so she went home, and she finished that story. <laughs> and she was okay. <laughs> she was overjoyed. But can we linger in the story as if we haven't heard the ending forever? <laughs> like, I mean, I've just known it, and I treasure that I've heard it and known it and celebrated Easter since I was, you know, born. But what a gift to just be in those disciples' shoes 
on the day of the burial to, to watch what happened. So we're going to linger there. Um, so can you imagine, imagine with me being one of those disciples. Your whole life was very normal until Jesus came on the scene. You did the normal things. You went fishing. You had a normal life. And then there's Jesus. And he says, follow me. And you direct your whole focus to this man that changes your outlook on life forever. So they're walking with him. They're walking slow with him. They're, they're stopping for the kids. They're, they're eating. They're drinking. They're going to weddings. Their life is a radical difference from before they met him to these three years. So, and they have this hope. This hope is this man is going to redeem Israel. He's going to be a king on a throne, and he's going to save us all. And they're just going at his pace for three years, waiting for that day. And they're in awe. You know, he's feeding thousands. He's healing people. He's inviting people out of tombs. Their life is, can you imagine, like, for a minute, they were fishermen. <laughs> they were doing the day-to-day -day life. And then they are invited on this crazy adventure. So they're hopeful. They're like, oh, he's going to save us. He's going to redeem Israel. And then he's killed. This horrible death on a cross. He's crucified. And they were devastated. They're like, wait, we, this is not what we were signed up for. Like, even though they were told in parables and in given insight, they were still just blown away. So they're walking the streets, just so sad. So three days after his death, it's the day after Sabbath, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, and she's bringing the spices, and she sees that the stone in front of the tomb had been rolled away, and she panics. And she runs back, she gets Simon and John, and she's like, something's wrong. Somebody took him. She's panicking, she's distressed. What's going on? And the disciples run back with her. They're like, yeah, she's right, he's gone. Okay. <laughs> but Mary's there. She just lingers. She's weeping. She sees an angel where Jesus' head had laid and the one where his feet had laid. And, and they ask her, why are you weeping? And Mary says, well, Jesus. She turns around and there's Jesus. He, she thinks he's a gardener. And he says, Mary... And instantly, she knows, Rabbi, teacher. Like she knows when he says her name. And then it says, it says, um, what did it say? Sorry, we're going to find it. <laughs> it says something like, don't touch me yet. And it's because she's like, I'm imagining her lunging toward him like, oh, my hope, it came back. Don't touch me yet. I haven't gone to the Father so there's another account of him just popping into our lives, popping into these disciples' lives. 
It's in the account of Luke. And there's walking down the road to Emmaus, um, Cleopas and Simon. Okay, so they're just talking. So Jesus just strolls up beside him, you know, just to hang out. <laughs> and he's like, why are y'all so sad? <laughs> and the guys are like, well, where, are, where have you been? Are you a stranger? Like, Jesus of Nazareth, he, he died. He, he was crucified. And they said, and they're like, we had our hope in him. He was supposed to redeem Israel. We, we were hoping in him. <laughs> and, and he's just listening, and they have no idea who he is. They're just walking. And he's just about to walk on. And they say, well, you should come to dinner. Like, you shouldn't keep walking. It's dark. So they invite him into dinner. So then he breaks the bread, and their eyes are opened. And they're like, oh, it's you. <laughs> and then he vanishes. <laughs> but, it's, but they look at each other, and they say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? His word opens our hearts. Did not our hearts burn within us at his voice? Did not Mary's heart leap with joy when he said, Mary, oh, that's my savior. That's who I've put my hope in. Can we imagine this hope for a second? <laughs> These people spent three years having such grand hope in Jesus. And they went into just devastation at his death. And then immediately they're like, okay, my hope has been restored Okay, there's a verse in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 3, and it says, By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. They were given a gift of living hope in that instance. That's our living hope, too. That is the living hope that we get to live in day after day. You know, when Steve Backlund was here a couple of weeks ago, he was sharing about hope. And he said, I'd rather be hopeful, hope-filled and disappointed once in a while rather than without hope and never disappointed. And this hope is one of the most valuable commodities right now. Our world is so hungry for hope. They are crying out for people who carry hope. He who has the most hope has the most influence. We have been given a living hope through the resurrection. Can I be a person of hope? <laughs> what does hope look like? I believe hope has a name. His name is Jesus. <laughs> okay, so we're going back to the story. <laughs> he keeps popping in on people. Can you, do you just want to be a fly on all these walls? <laughs> Have y'all watched the Chosen documentary series? It's not a documentary. It just captures your heart. If you have not watched it, 
man, it just makes you fall in love with Jesus over and over again. So Jesus keeps popping in. You know, that's what he's doing. He's popping on the fishermen now. So the men are fishing in the boat. They're, they're not catching anything. It's a bad day out in the sea. And he yells at them. He's like, hey, have you caught anything? They're like, no. He's like, well, throw that, throw that net in. So they throw the net in. And Peter knows it's, knows it's Jesus. <laughs> he, like, puts on his clothes because he's in his work clothes, dives into the water and swims to shore just on that mention of, hey, throw your net in. <laughs> so the net fills up. They go to shore. And nobody even asks who he is because they know. They know his ways so beautifully. <laughs> so in Luke... Another time in Luke, there, Jesus is about to ascend. And he's like, wait for this gift. So I'm going to fast forward a minute and talk about they had to choose a replacement of Judas. So Judas is long gone. He betrayed Jesus. And they had to choose someone to replace him. And the qualifications for whom they chose was that they had to be with us from the baptism of John and through the resurrection. They had to be with Jesus for all this time. They had to walk with him. They had to talk with him. They had to eat with him. They were, they were the ones that were watching the miracles. So they drew straws. It was as easy as that after they met that one qualification. <laughs> it makes me really think that God values watching, walking, being a friend of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Okay, I'm going to give a funny story. But it's going to illustrate this point. So I'm in college, and uh, I live in this home with three other girls. And we're all from multiple parts of the country. We all, we're going into our third year at Georgia Tech, and we all, like, have different looks. Like, there's one girl that looks more put together than I did on my wedding day every day. <laughs> I'm like... Your hair is never out of place. It's perfect all the time. There's another girl that's super punk rock, and she's super cool, and, you know, dye her hair occasionally, and, you know, wear a band shirt that I don't know of, and she's cool. <laughs> then there's me, you know, I haven't changed in, like, forever. Um, <laughs> so there's all of us, and we live together in this house. And we lived together for, like, two and a half, three years. And one of my friends, this guy one time, was he looked at me, he's like, why do y'all all dress alike? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean we dress alike? He's like, you all dress alike. I had no idea. But in the two and a half years that we lived together, we all started wearing the exact same clothes. Like, don't judge my early 2000s style, but <laughs> we had like these matching tennis shoes with these matching bright shirts. Like I had this Saucony green shoes and this, Saucon or this bright green shirt and and we just like had this style within our house. 
without ever realizing it. Like it took a random stranger, or not a stranger, but a friend of mine, guy, observant guy, to say, why do y'all all dress alike? And I'm like, oh, we do. And it was only because I wake up every morning and I go to the kitchen and I look at my friends and I'm like, oh, I'm just beholding. I'm just looking at what they wear. Like, oh, that looks cute together. And it's subliminally seeping into my unconscious to start dressing like that. (laughs) Super strange. There's a quote. It says, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And it is so true. You you start looking like your five closest friends. So show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. For example, my husband, he used to run three miles on an average day because it was fun. Last weekend, he ran 75 miles in the woods (laughs) because his friends decide to run in the woods, and that is fun for them. And I like it too, but (laughs) I like it too. But... He was happy running three miles until his friends started running 100. And then he's like, oh, well, that's what we do on the weekends now. We run in the woods. Lots of miles. (laughs) Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Who are we looking at? Who are we beholding? Beholding the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into his likeness. How do we behold the Lord? (laughs) That's why Matthias was chosen, I believe. He had been beholding Jesus all that time. You know, in Hebrews 12.2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And when you look at that fix our eyes phrase, it's saying to look away from all else and to look distinctly at to look with so much intentionality. Man, I believe that the intentionality that we show the Lord, we take a step, he comes running like a freight train toward any intentionality I ever make. He's so kind. I'm convinced that my step toward him is just raced toward. My my slight redirect of my attention and gaze is just met with the biggest opening, welcoming embrace. We get to gaze and focus on something. We get to choose. If I choose to focus on the approval of man, if I love their their approval more than his, I'm going to end up fearful. I'm going to end up anxious. If I choose to focus on my a love of money, it's going to create in me an unhealthy relationship with money. It's going to create in me greed if I love money more than I love him. Whatever we behold, we become. In Psalm 16:8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. So there's some really practical ways to behold. And I think worship is right up there. Like, what a gift. Vanessa, bless you. Bless your team. We, have, we are so rich. I'm serious. 
week in, week out, it's like a table's laid before us that we get to come and behold the face of our favorite Jesus. <laughs> I get to come, and they've been preparing just an atmosphere to worship my king. Worship adjusts my heart. It realigns. It refocuses. It centers me. And it, it just it aligns my heart with what he's doing, with who he is, and, and it connects my heart to his. <laughs> and so, you know, um, it's so much easier to set our gaze on something versus setting our gaze away from something. Okay, I don't want you to, please don't picture a pink and polka dotted elephant. Okay, honesty, raise your hand if you just pink pictured a pink and polka dotted elephant. Awesome. It doesn't work. It never works. Whatever, it's so impossible to turn our affections away from something wrong. It's so much harder than to set our affections on the king of kings. Like to set my gaze and affection and energy toward something rather than away from something. He, he just deserves our entire affection. He deserves our every attention. What we behold, we become. Those disciples were beholding his goodness day in, day out. Their lives were never the same. It wasn't some great three years. Their lives were forever marked in their beholding. You know, um, when you think about how we behold the glory of the Lord, there's another element of intentionality you can place. And uh, I've just started thinking about some of his attributes. So... I am convinced he was one of the most restful people. <laughs> he was never in a hurry. Like besides the fact that they had sun up and sun down and some like crazy natural, you know, starts and ends that were different than our pace. He was slow, super slow. <laughs> so sometimes I just like to meditate and behold how restful he was. Like he walked slow, I would anticipate, or I would guess. He'd, he's a slow walker. He's stopping for the kids. I bet he knew more kids' names than he knew adults' names. Like, he just seemed like that type. I'm going to sit with the kids. They really matter. People were running up to him like, Jesus, you have to come heal someone. This is important stuff. And he wasn't to be rushed. And instead, he goes and raises them from the dead. You know, he has, the, he has this mind of, okay, I'm about your will, Lord. I'm not about whatever pressure is put upon me. So I just like to meditate there. Like, because I'm not super restful. <laughs> I'm on a, I'm on a, a grand attempt. <laughs> but I like to just sit there and admire that about my king. Like, oh, can I just behold how restful you were, Jesus? And that rest that is the best way to stir up rest within my own soul <laughs> because I'm gazing and beholding who he is. He's so restful. 
And that's going to create in me a lifestyle of rest. When I think about his kindness, you know, he's the kindest man that ever walked the earth. (laughs) I just can't help but think about the story at the woman at the well. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. He's not supposed to talk to her. The social norms say, don't talk to her. He does it anyway. He doesn't care. He approaches her, and they start talking about, oh, you're going to be thirsty again. I have water that you will never thirst. And so she starts asking questions, and he says, well, go tell your husband. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, I know, you have, you have had five. <laughs> He's not shying away from the truth. He's telling the truth. He's speaking it in love. Her life is forever changed. She feels no condemnation, but the conviction of the Lord hits her strong. And in, her, in his kindness, her life is forever changed. So I just want to, like, meditate on that attribute. Like, oh, Jesus, you are the kindest one who ever was. <laughs> and that, that beholding, beholding his kindness will stir up in me, oh, There's a kindness in there that I don't have to muster up. It doesn't have to come out of my, well, I need to be kind. It comes out of me beholding the kindest one to ever walk the planet. We don't want to force it because that's exhausting and it doesn't last. (laughs) We have to let it become us. And the only way it's going to become us is if we behold him. You can do that with anything, any of his attributes. He has them all, all the good ones. Whatever's lovely, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, commendable, those are what we think on. That's what I just set my heart on. Oh, you are the most honorable man to ever walk the earth. Can I just daydream about your, your honor? Create in me a heart of honor. <laughs> Whatever I behold, I become. Can I just behold your goodness, Father? Can I behold your kindness, He was the most creative person to walk the earth. (laughs) The Lord spoke the earth into being in a breath. That's our father. That's who we get to behold. (laughs) I'm just so grateful he doesn't want us to do it by work. He He doesn't want me to work harder. He really wants me to just look at him and love him. And I'll become like him. He doesn't want me to avoid just, I got to do it right. I got to do it right. Like, I'm going to want to do it right (laughs) because I love him so much. Like, my love for him just will ooze out of me. And it's effortless when we just behold So when you go back, we're popping back in that story, this, this celebrating favorite story of ours. <laughs> I just pop in there, and Jesus is there. He's, he's giving the disciples a charge, like a beautiful charge. He said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. <laughs> go. <laughs> they didn't go without this three-year experience of beholding him. They didn't have to muster up the effort because it was coming out of them. They had become like him. They had become transformed into his likeness. Transformed people will transform people. If I am changed, the people I go around will be affected. My life will radiate his kindness when I just behold his kindness over and over again. Our pace, the pace with which we do life, will look like his way, the way he walked. If I just behold, okay, how did you do this, Lord? Okay, how would you approach this? Because this is, this is a lot. Okay, okay, this is how you approached it. Our face can radiate his goodness. <laughs> Our life can radiate his kindness. Our tone of voice can represent him well. When we work out of our fullness, not our lack. When we move out of our fullness of who we've become, not who we're needed to be. <laughs> you know, the story of those disciples' lives was that they turned the world upside down. Like, life was never, ever the same. Because they spent for three years just, just watching him, just being with him, just seeing how he broke bread, seeing how he'd talk to the kids, seeing how he'd come and he'd heal someone, seeing how, how his pace was that of the Father. Because <laughs> really, Jesus just beheld the Father the whole time. <laughs> That's all he did. I only do what I see my Father do. That's all he's asking of us. <laughs> I only want to do what he's invited me to do. <laughs> what a beautiful day. <laughs> What a beautiful day that we get to say, our Jesus, he rose from the dead. <laughs> he defeated the grave. The most powerful, the most wonderful, the one who gave us living hope <laughs> came. And life was never the same. And our invitation is to behold him, to simply behold him. <laughs> so if you'll close your eyes, I want to, I want to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're the best father. We thank you that you're the best example. 
We thank you that we get to behold you in all your wonder and all your awe. God, I just thank you for my friend who just read the story of your resurrection for the first time. God, can you just make my heart tender like her heart? Tender to just the miraculous moment that you came to save that which was lost and you rose and you gave us this living hope through your resurrection. God, I thank you that we get to set our eyes on you, that we get to behold you, we get to behold the wonder of you, we get to behold all those wonderful attributes that are just who you are, that you are love, that you are peace, that you are patience and kindness. We get to behold you in all your wonder. Father, let us just become like you. <laughs> let our hearts be tender to become like you. Thank you for this day. Thank you that we get to celebrate. Thank you that our lives are never the same because of your living hope. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.